Okay, how many of you never return a gift? And the others are just impartial. You know, you just kind of... So, why do you keep the gift? Just shout it out. Why would you keep the gift? You don't hurt someone's feelings. What's that? Too lazy. Well, at least, there we go. I can get behind that one. What else? What's that? Re-gift. I like that. White elephant. What's that? Sentimental value. Exactly. What's that? At least you got something? Did someone say that? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Good deal. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I was just curious, okay? But, but today we're going to talk about the gift return, and um, last week we talked about the gift unexpected, and today we're going to look at the gift return. I want to share with you a story um, about a king who, who one of his, desi- his biggest desire was to be married, okay? And so you have this king, he's, he has this desire to be married, and he really, really, really wants a wife. He wants to start a family. And, and he, he, so he, obviously he's trying to, you know, date or whatever, whatever kings do, they, you know, online, whatever, I don't know. But this king is like trying to find someone to date. So he, fi- he finally finds this woman he falls in love with, and she's a peasant girl, woman, Okay. She's a peasant, completely the opposite end of the spectrum, okay? And so he falls in love with her, and of course, what's the thing he thinks? Is she going to love me for who I am, or is she going to love me for what I have to offer, what I bring to the table? And so he's really, he's really struggling with this, because he wants to know if the love is genuine, if the love would be genuine, and all these things, because he is really in love with this, this peasant girl. So he, he's thinking it through, and he's like, I get the whole concept. She's not from noble birth. She's not from a noble family. She doesn't have any of that with, within her. And, and so there's this huge, di- or this huge thing I've got to figure out. And so he brings in his advisors, and um, his advisors... Say a couple, they give him a couple, a couple of uh, situ- options that he could do. One of them is just shower her with all kinds of gifts. Just, just shower her with all kinds of gifts, and you know maybe maybe that will work. He, then he, then they tell her, tell him, well, com- you could command her to love you. And he's like, yeah, I don't. That, that doesn't make sense. Why would I want? Why would I want to command someone to love me? So then there comes. Then he starts, you know, thinking about it. And he's just like, he just, he doesn't know what to do. So then they just say this. Well, you know, your other option is to go find someone of noble standing. Don't marry her. Break it off. This is just creating all kinds of issues. Just break it off and and marry someone of noble standing. So he tried to do that, but he just couldn't do it. So he thought, well, maybe I will shower her with gifts. But then again, he keeps coming back. How will I know if she truly loves me or if she just loves my gifts? And so then he figured out a way that he was going to do this. And what he did was he took his crown and he laid it to the side. He took his robes off, and his royal robe, and he laid it to the side. And he got down from his throne, and he lived in a dump, and he began to search for food like every other peasant person. And so what he did, he became the person in which he truly loved. I get that you probably figured that out in the first couple sentences, so hopefully you didn't just dismiss the whole thought behind it, because it's very powerful, because that's exactly what God did for us. God, the King, became the one He loved. John 1, 1 verses 1-3, through 3, we read about Jesus doing this very thing. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? Jesus. Later on, Paul would write and say that Jesus was at the beginning of creation, that everything was, that, uh, as, as John says, nothing was created that, was, with, that was, was not created through Him. Paul picks up on that same theme. 
and says that God thought it, Jesus, uh, God the Father thought it, Jesus the Son spoke it into existence. And so clear from creation, we read about in the beginning was the Word before anything else. Uh, when everything was void, in the beginning let us create. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Last week we talked about the Word becoming, God becoming the Word, God becoming man, the incarnation, the Logos, uh, Theos. Um, and it goes on to say, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. The King stepping down. The One that created all things. The One that created you and I. The One that created everything. Literally steps down and says, I love creation so much. I love, the, I love them so much that I will step down. That I will lay aside um, some of my attributes and... and, and um, leave my place in heaven to be a part of them. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes about this in verse 6. He says, or starting in verse 5, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what God did. God says, I love them so much, but they're broken. I could command them to love me. I could make them love me. I could do all these things, but I, but I don't want that. I want them to love me in return. I doubt there's someone sitting in here this morning that says, I just want my spouse to love, I'd like to make them love me. That wouldn't really feel good. We want someone's love. We want someone to choose to love us. And God stepped down. Jesus stepped down from His throne, laid aside His crown, laid aside His, His robes, all the blessings, everything that was due Him, He sets to the side to become like one of us. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, Luke talks about this. And it says that, "...and she, being Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son." And then she took him and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, a feeding trough, and because there was no guest room available for them. The, the king literally became ragged like the ones he loved. And so this is the gift that we celebrate at Christmas time. This is exactly what this story is all about. That the king became like you and I. That the king became ragged. That the king laid aside his all of his or not all of his attributes, but the majority of his attributes, attributes, so that he could come into a world and identify with each and every one of us, as we talked about last week. And so sometimes, as we talked about last week, this gift isn't received. There are times where you and I at Christmas time, or other times, we receive gifts that we look at and we're like, I really don't need this, and I really don't want it. Right? It, truth be known. Deep down, we think that. Now, some of us take that and we look at it and we say, because this was given to me out of love, you know, I received that and it becomes sentimental, right? Others that may be more practical, that doesn't really get into the sentimentality of things, we say, okay, where's the receipt at for this baby so I can take it back? Or, let me re-gift this. And I get that you guys that are sentimental say, how dare you do that? And of course, we'd look at you and say, okay, well then I'll just buy you anything and You'll just take whatever I give you and be happy, right? You know, so so you make it really easy to buy for, in a sense. But 
But, it, but in essence, and I'm not, I'm not speaking one way or the other on it, I'm just saying that there's times where we receive gifts. The point is, we, there's times we receive a gift. Even this year, we will receive a gift that we really don't know what to do for it. Because we really don't think we need it, and we really didn't really hope, we didn't really hope for it. And so, as I said, two out of three, the statistic is that we'll return a gift this year. Jesus was born, the ultimate gift, and He sacrificed Himself to dwell among us, and He was largely rejected. In John 1, verses 10-11, through 11, it says this, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. In fact, His own rejected Him. And there's a word there that I capitalized, receive. And when you look at that word receive in the Greek, it means paralabano. Paralabano means that when someone gives you a gift, and it kind of goes back to the, this, the sense of how we receive that gift, it comes, it comes down to this sense of when we receive a gift, it's the spirit in which we receive it. We take delight in the reception of that gift. It's not so much about the gift, it's about the intent of the gift. It's about the heart. And it's about our heart as we receive that gift. The paralambano. How do we receive that? The paralambano of the world rejected the gift. Some of us in here this morning, the par- we don't have the right paralambano. We reject the gift as well. Now you may say, well, I've, I've, you know, I didn't reject the gift. I've got salvation. But the gift is much more than just our ticket to heaven. The gift is so much more than that, as we're going to discover. It's, it's, but, but again, going back to this paralambano, it's the demonstration. We, it's, this, it's demonstrating the appropriate response in receiving this gift from God. It's, and, 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 and as we look at mankind, as we look at our world, I don't think any of us would sit here and disagree or argue the fact that, that this is not, the, the, the proper paralambano is not demonstrated by mankind as a whole whatsoever. The recipient of God's gift. However, though, I think we could all see at Christmas time, people do seem to be a little bit more accepting of Jesus, right? I mean, when you really think about it, at Christmas time, people are just a little bit more accepting and a little bit more inviting of this whole Christmas Christian thing. Some people will even come to church at Christmas time because that's what you do at Christmas time. And so their guard comes down a little bit and they say, you know what, I, you know, I can be a little bit more accepting at Christmas time and accepting of this Christmas Jesus. And probably the real reason behind that is, let's be honest, the Christmas Jesus is really not that threatening, is He? He's just a little baby. He's a cute little baby born in a manger. We've got, we've, even though I may not, people, I shouldn't say I, but even though people may not believe in this baby Jesus, they may have a nativity set because that's Christmas. And, the, you know, little baby Jesus is in his manger and he's, it's so non threatening and so intimate. And, and for those of you that, that um, are into Hollywood theology, uh, if you remember a few years ago, um, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, right? I'm not going to go through his prayer, but I want to share with you what he said before his prayer. You remember? Uh, apparently you remember. <laughs> but he talked about praying this little baby Jesus. But I'm gonna, listen to what he says beforehand. I like the Christmas Jesus the best. And I'm saying grace. And when you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus, or bearded Jesus, or whoever you want to. 
There's a lot of truth behind that, isn't there? Because the little Christmas baby Jesus, he, he's not that threatening. The little Christmas, the, the, the Christmas Jesus seems to be more non-threatening and he doesn't have any demands. He doesn't have any, there's nothing that, no expectations, there's none of that really. I mean, he's just a cute little baby Jesus. But the Christmas Jesus becomes the crucified Jesus. The Christmas Jesus then grows up and he becomes, he becomes the preaching Jesus. He becomes the, the one that He was not received. They did not receive Him. In fact, as we read this whole story, they not only didn't receive Him, but they beat Him. They beat Him upon recognition. They crucified this Jesus, this baby Jesus in a sense. They beat Him beyond recognition. They shoved the crown of thorns down on His head. They nailed Him to a tree. They didn't receive Him at all. This was a different Jesus, this grown-up Jesus. In fact, listen to what Isaiah 53 says. It says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, He was despised. And he was held in low self-esteem. Surely he took up, our, took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his, in his mouth. That doesn't sound like the Christmas Jesus. The little warm Christmas Jesus that we celebrate at this time that's so non-threatening. And yet we see this and we see that he was rejected by his very own. Why did they not receive Him? Why did they reject Him? Well, for start, a couple of reasons. Number one, they were offended by His message. They were offended by His message. They loved the Christmas Jesus. Let's put ourselves in, his, in their shoes. Let's just put ourselves in their shoes for a second. Don't we all love the Christmas Jesus? Don't we all love the miracle Jesus? Man, when God shows up in our lives, go God. Go Jesus. I love you forever. When Jesus doesn't show up, where are you at, God? Where are you at? They loved the Christmas Jesus. They loved the miracle Jesus. They loved the healing Jesus. But when He became the preaching Jesus, they become very offended. Baby, yes. Man, no. Another reason why they, became, or they didn't receive Him is because when you receive Jesus, it means to reject someone or something else. When we receive Jesus, when we have that paralambano and we receive Jesus in the spirit in which we're supposed to receive Him, in the spirit in which we're supposed to receive this gift, it means, there, it means that there is a vast difference between this and that. There are things that I have to say no to now. This is a different life now. 
I'm different. I'm a Christian. I've received Jesus. I've received Him with paralambano. I've received it in the Spirit, this gift in the Spirit in which I'm supposed to receive it. And it's literally changed my whole life. That's why we get baptized, where we communicate. I am different. I am changed. Jesus has changed my life. Which means that at times we have to reject or demonize something else, right? It's kind of like last night. Okay? How many of you, let's go there, just for a second, it's all on our minds, right? How many of you were like, how many of you rooted, how many of you, okay. We're all sentimental now, right? How many of you said deep down, man, I wish Ohio State and Michigan State wins last night? Go! How many of you thought that? How many of you thought, man, because if you root for one, you've got to demonize the other, right? Yeah, I mean, you root for one, you can't, you can't like the other, right? So I, remember, I texted Jeff and I said, go green. And then I texted him back and I said, I feel so naughty for saying that, right? Because I'm going to be rejected. I've got to demonize this other team, right? Sorry, Ohio State. I, I mean, we've got to reject it. It, it, it's that way with it. It's that way with a lot of things. We talked about this a few months ago. For some reason, some of us think we can straddle that fence and we can love everybody and, and, you know, we're not going to, you know, we can just be both, you know, both and. That's not how it works. That's not how it works whatsoever. In fact, listen to what John says in chapter 12, verses 42 through 43. He says, Many people did believe in him. Many people did believe in him. How many of you remember reading the story about Nicodemus? Nicodemus, one of the Jewish leaders, right? He goes to Jesus when? At night, because I'm afraid I'm going to be rejected, correct? Because I don't want to be classified as one of them. We're demonizing them. But he goes to Jesus at nighttime and he says, You know what? You, you must be part of the, you must be the Son of God because you're doing things that, that's, that's just, that, that, that's inexplainable. And so it says many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders like Nicodemus. But they wouldn't admit their fear. That the fair, because they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they, what? For they loved human praise more than what? The praise of God. Why is there not a paralambado of this gift? Because I'm afraid you're going to reject me. Why do I not share Jesus more? Why has Jesus not made a huge change in my life? Why am I a different person when it comes to work? Why am I a different person when I get around my network of friends? Why am I a different Why can't I stand up for what is right at times? Because I struggle with fear of man. Right? They might reject me. I can't agree with them. What would happen if I agreed with them? Then they might reject me. So I'm going to have to either straddle this line or I'm going to have to be really quiet or I'm going to have to play both sides of the fence somehow. And frankly, it's getting very tiring. But you know, I'm afraid... You know, and some of us really struggle with this. Some of you really struggle with this. Some of us won't admit it, but we really struggle with this. And it comes out in our spirit. It comes out in the way we conduct ourselves. And, and the whole concept is we care about what others may think versus what God thinks. And it keeps us from embracing Him totally. It happened there. It happens to us. So, let's take a look at this. Why did the two major parties reject Him? The two major parties are the Romans and the Jews. The first group, you have the Romans. Now, the Romans were Greeks, right? They weren't Jews, obviously. They were the Greeks. 
And it wasn't so much that they rejected Jesus per se, but they hated the Jews. They absolutely hated the Jews. Now, if we just think about it, we can probably see their point a little bit, right? Let's just look at it for a second. They, they hated the Jews so much. So here's the issue. It's not that they didn't like the Son of God so much, but it was because they hated the children of God. Jesus never had a chance with them. They hated the children of God so much. They were away from their families. Rome had conquered the world. They were stationed in Palestine. These Jews were obnoxious, violent, hostile people. Just like it is in the Middle East right now, right? And they were stationed there from their families. And every now and then, these Jews would just rise up and they would revolt. And they would try to kill a bunch of people and they would rise up and revolt. And then you had these people called the Zealots. And these cowards would come out of the midst of a group and stab you with a knife and take you down with a knife and then disappear. They wouldn't even have the, they wouldn't even have the, the backbone to fight and face, to face you and fight you. How could you not hate them? And the Romans hated them. They hated the Jews so bad. They were taken away from their family. And, the, and they lived in this hostile environment. And in fact, when these revolts would rise up, hundreds of Jews, they would take these people, hundreds of them, and they would just crucify the Jews along the road and hang them on crosses. The hideous way to die. Why? A public, a public spectacle. If you try this, this is what's going to happen. We will impale you on a cross and raise you up for the whole world to see that this is what happens when you go against Rome. And they despised the Jews. Or the, the Jews because of the children of God. Jesus really never even had a chance per se. And because they rejected and despised and hated the children, Jesus never got a shot. Can you relate? Let me ask you this. Do you have people in your world, maybe family members, maybe sons, daughters, maybe a spouse, maybe someone you know that has communicated to you and says, I will not come to your church because of what? There's hypocrites there. There's someone there that screwed me over on a business deal. There's someone there that has gossiped about me and it's hurt me. There's someone there that lies. There's someone there that does these things that's hurt my family, that's hurt me, it's hurt my family, and I don't want to associate with them whatsoever. Maybe some of us are sitting in here this morning and deep down that's how we kind of feel with church. And I'm not just talking about Element Church, because I've heard this from a lot of people. We hear this all the time, don't you? In your sphere, the people you know, you've had the conversation where people say, I will not set foot in that church. I will not set foot in a church because they are just a bunch of hypocritical people. Let me say this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know why? Because we're all human and we're all broken. And I'm not justifying it. I'm not condoning it. But every single person sitting in here, we're human We're going to struggle. There's times where we're going to blow it. There's times where we're going to fall. There's times where we're going to miss it. And we're all in that category. But here's the issue. Don't let the wrapping paper keep you from truly experiencing the true, ultimate gift of God. There are going to be some in here this morning. There's going to be people in your sphere of influences. There's going to be people that call themselves Christians that are hypocritical. They're hypercritical. They, they try to be big fish in a small pond. They're weird. I mean, I'm describing about everybody, right? Has everybody felt attacked now? We're human. And there's times where we're going to struggle with that. Some of us don't even know that we're struggling with it. We struggle with it, and everybody else sees it but us. 
But here's the issue. We're the wrapping paper. And unfortunately, sometimes the wrapping paper gets in the way of the gift. Don't let the wrapping paper stop you from truly getting into the gift. Don't let people get in the way of you truly experiencing this awesome gift that God has for you. Then you have the other group, which are the Jews. You had the Romans, now you have the Jews. The two people that rejected them, and why? Jesus came to His own. He came to the Jews. They completely missed Him because they weren't looking for a Messiah in the way that Jesus came. Last week we talked about that. Last week's message was this. He came in a way that it it looked like that God just kind of skipped out and skimmed on some of the details. Like the Son of God becoming incarnate. The Word. The Word that existed before creation of this world came into existence, came came with flesh, was born this child, and we have all these little things you look at and you're like, this is crazy. It looks like some of the details weren't thought out through or thought through and all these other things. But here's the issue. We, just, we talked about this last week, that the very way that God came is the model that He lived by and He's set for us to live by. It's a model of self-sacrifice. It's a model of humility where He set aside these things and He came. He became one of us. He set aside His crown, His robe. He set aside some of His attributes so that He could enter into a world that, would, that, that, that we operate in. The king became the peasant like in the story that we just read. And so He comes and the Jews could not identify with it whatsoever. This isn't our Messiah. There's no way this is our Messiah. He, our Messiah is going to come and conquer Our Messiah is going to take Rome and take Him down and we're going to be at the top of the mountain again. We're going to be king of the hill and we're going to be like it was when King David was in all His glory, when Israel was the pinnacle, when we were number one. We are God's children. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. We are the chosen ones. I don't know who this cat is. He's throwing out all these I am's. And yet he's a, he comes with this self-sacrificing servant philosophy? They completely missed it. They completely missed it. He, he came to save. You want me to be humble? You want me to carry the pack of a Roman even an extra mile? You've got to be kidding me. And so they rejected him. Because they didn't understand his message. Now there was one time, and by the way, our Messiah would never get beat up. Our Messiah would never get beat up. We're going to conquer. And there was a time where, there was a time there where they kind of bought into it. You remember the whole story right before he's crucified and they put him on a colt and he comes into Jerusalem and they're thinking, maybe this is our Messiah. And they start laying palm branches down before him, which signifies this is our king. And they start singing, Hosanna. I mean, they're praising it up. Later that week, what are they singing? Crucify him. Crucify him. This guy's weak. This guy doesn't have what it takes. According to my expectations of a leader, according to my expectations of someone that's going to take us where we need to go, this guy is not the guy. And they missed it. They completely missed it. How many of us kind of do that from time to time with God, though? Truth be known. Truth be known. How many of us sometimes with God, we look at God and we say, God, how are you, God? I'm dealing with cancer, I'm dealing with this sickness. God, I'm dealing with this wayward child. God, I have this spouse that is doing their own thing and I don't understand it. It's really hurting me and the family. I don't get it. God, if you're such the God, if you're seated high on your throne, then how is this taking place? 
God, if you are su- if you're in control, then how in the world do these things happen with not only within my life but the life of my friends and others and in this world these hideous things? And we look at that and we say, maybe God's not really God. Now we'd never come out and just say that, but deep down that's how we feel at times. But here's the issue: God is always the surprise giver. Which means keep opening the gift. Remember last year we talked about that one kid where he wanted a gaming system so bad. He wanted a gaming system, I mean, so very bad. So his parents bought him the gift, the gaming system with a bunch of games and everything and stuffed it in like a crock pot box. Remember that whole story? True story. And the kid opens it up and he sees the crock pot box. This isn't what I need. Shoves it to the side. And his mom's saying, Don't stop. Don't stop opening the gift. Why are you stopping? Because it's not what I expected. It's not what I need. It's not what I anticipated. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted. And so therefore, it can't be what I need or what I want. And his mom's pleading with him, please open the gift, which he does and finally sees that inside of it was exactly what he wished for and what he wanted all along. That's how God is with us sometimes. Some of you have been praying for years about something, and God's not answering the way you want Him to answer. But then God's going to show up in a big way, and you're going to say, holy cow, how in the world did He orchestrate this, 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 and this? Some of you are sitting in here this morning and if you would be able to stand up and just say, I want to share with you how God's worked in my life. You can stand up and you can, you can share that and you can say, you know what, I've prayed for this. I prayed for this. And God didn't answer it this way, but He answered it this way. And I can't imagine, I'm, glad, I'm so happy He didn't answer it my way because this way just blows my socks off. That's how God operates. God is a surprise giver. He continues to, He hears us and He continues to just, just surprise us and amaze us with the way He does think through all the details. The Jews were focused so much on the, prophet, on the conquering prophecies. There's no way this Jesus could be the Jesus, they were the Messiah. There's no way. We're focusing on these conquering prophecies where He's going to come and set up His kingdom. He's going to do this, this, and this. And they failed to look at the suffering prophecies. They, for, they failed to look at the, the, the other ones. They only focused on the ones that they wanted. Not the ones that spoke negatively. Is this Jesus really the Messiah? Here's the issue. The Jews came thinking, or the Jews thought Jesus was going to come to save them from Rome, where Jesus said, I'm coming to save, but the Romans are the least of your worries. I'm coming to save you from eternal damnation. And so he gives them this, again, this huge gift. In Matthew 121, listen to what. Listen to what, the, uh, what Matthew says about Mary, about this whole fulfilling of the prophecy. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because why? He will save us. He will save them. He will save us. Save His people from their sins. What a gift. The word that we use there in the first part of this message called paralambano, that receive, where he's talking, uh, they were talking about Jesus coming into the world, and, they, and, and the way, the, what we talked about was they didn't receive the gift. They didn't receive the gift in the proper response. We see this word again, and it's found in John 14.3. And here, what's, it's in the context of to, him talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. And he's comforting them. He just rolls this, his vision out once again. His mission. 
This is what's going to happen. And I'm going to leave you. And they're distraught. We spent three years with you. How in the world is this going to take place? We spent three years with you, Jesus. And this is and they're, they're distraught. They're, they're filled with sorrow and grief and all these things. And Jesus starts breathing comfort into them. He starts, he starts trying to encourage them. And He says this, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will do what? I will paralambano. I'm going to receive you in the Spirit that is appropriate. I'm going to receive you to Myself because that is where I am and there you may be also. Jesus says, I'm going to paralambano. I'm going to, I'm going to receive My children I'm going to receive the ones that have received this gift. I'm going to receive the one that has placed their faith in me. I'm going to receive the ones that have literally altercated their life, that, has, that, that, has, that have lived their life in the model that I've lived my life, in the model of humility, in the model of self-sacrifice, in the model of loving God and loving others. And when I return, I'm going to come, and in the spirit in which it needs to be, I'm going to paralambano you so here's the question guys this morning will you receive this gift from God in the proper response that there is to receive this gift the only response this morning I mean and again I'm not some of us may say you know what I've received this gift I've been saved for a hundred years and I'm going to heaven, I've got my fire insurance, I've got my ticket, I'm punched, I'm ready to go. That's not parallel, but that's not the spirit in which Jesus is talking about. Some of us need to really just allow the spirit of Christ to come in and just challenge the way we think and the way we see our perspectives on this whole thing, where we see the proper way to receive Him as our gift, where He literally comes in and changes the whole direction of our lives. This is a way of living. It's a way of living. And at Christmas time, what we see is the true spirit of Christmas a lot of times in our world where it's all about us. It's all about my needs. It's all about what I want. It's all about how I, I can, my needs need to be met. My wants, my desires need to be met. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not the spirit of Christmas. When we have that true paralabano, it literally changes our whole lives. That's why we get baptized, as I said, where we say, my life has been radically shifted. I'm no longer me. I'm no longer that person. I'm a child of God. And I've taken on His identity. Yes, I'm human. Yes, I struggle. Yes, I make mistakes. But I'm also forgiven. And I'm also a saint. And I'm also seeking your forgiveness. Asking that we can continue to move along here. So this morning as we close with one last song, maybe this is a time where you need to really think about Paralambano. Have you received the gift and the spirit in which it's intended to be received? Where you take it and you embrace it. And it's about Him just taking up residence in your life. Changing you radically. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you see things, your perspective, just the whole paradigm shift, the whole upside down, inside out concept. Maybe today's the day you really need to stop and allow the Spirit to 
connect with yours. Just pray. Spend time with, with Him. I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer, but I just pray that you would have that humble sense before you this morning and respond the way God wants you to respond. I'd love to pray with you. If you're struggling in here this morning, we'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. I know the elders would love to come and pray with you. Um, that's, that's why we're here. That's the only reason I'm here. And so I pray that you would just allow the Spirit to have freedom within your life. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the words that you have for us. I thank you for your Spirit that's ministering in here today. I thank you for the lives that are going to be changed today. Lives that are going to let the walls down and allow you to come in and take up residence. For the lives that are going to confess how they've gotten off track and they need to just have your loving touch surround them and put them back on the dry ground put them back on solid ground Father I pray that you would give us the power and the courage to respond the way you want us to respond I pray if there are brothers and sisters in here your children that need to be prayed over, God, that, they, that that would take place and we would be able to surround them and just share your love with them. Father, I pray that you would use this last these last moments to just direct us and do whatever you want to do within us. I pray that Satan would not have any freedom in this room right now. I pray that there wouldn't be any spirits that come from him any spirits of confusion or doubt or discouragement or frustration or anger, anything that, that comes not from you but from Him, I pray, Jesus, we know that, that the, your two spirits cannot coincide in the same place, and so I pray that your spirit would have freedom in here and not His. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your gift. Thank you for becoming one of us. Thank you for taking on our flesh. Thank you for identifying with us and knowing our struggles, our pains and our troubles. We love you. We pray that all this was about you and that you receive glory and will continue to receive glory here. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.